0: Welcome to Live and Lead for Impact. I'm Kirsten Rasfogel, your host, and this is episode 260. This topic has been on my mind for a while. I wanted to go over some of the, uh, we'll call it the journey of health insurance in the US, pre to post Affordable Care or Obamacare. I'm kind of in a unique position that I have been purchasing my own health insurance for more than 20 years. So uh, I wanted to share, you know, also let's just cut to the chase. The way that communication is happening, uh, particularly in the United States right now, but other parts of the world as well, it's all about dividing. And it's also all very, you know, I'll call it ego driven, but I guess that's putting some judgment on it. But ultimately, it's about the win. Everything is like spun. And, you know, and I'm not even gonna get political here, because it happens from both sides. But like, it's all about the spin and tearing the other we'll call I'm using air quotes here, tearing the other side down. We're all if you're in the US Americans. And so I wanted to and there's lots of again, kind of spinning that makes Obamacare Affordable Care Act look either all bad or all good. And it's neither of those there are positives and negatives to it. And you know, If you've heard me talk about process improvement, you've absolutely heard me talk about a key element of process improvement is implementing something, like doing your best, But like it's never going to be perfect. If you set the bar to we won't have any snafus or unintended consequences once we implement this, too much pressure, uh, that level of perfectionism will end up with no action. And so the goal is to get everything as good as you can, enter in with unanswered questions that you're not going to be able to answer until the thing is implemented, but then do some review and see where you need to tweak it. And unfortunately, just where we stand right now, there isn't a lot of communication happening that moves towards tweaking, moves towards problem solving. Because again, the message on one side is it's 100% perfection. And then on the other side, it's this is the worst thing that's ever happened on the face of the earth. And so again, if we take a balanced look, as with most things, there are pros and cons, goods and bads, unintended consequences. Some are even intended or not intended, but anticipated. So anyway, I wanted to share from my unique perspective a bit about what I've seen around health insurance, the good, the bad, and the ugly. So like I said, I've been purchasing my own health insurance for more than 20 years. And I also have a human resource background. So some changes in human resources, not human resources, in insurance were happening while I was still in that world working with insurance for employers. So it's kind of a unique perspective that I have. And this is just my personal opinion. I'm not going to use a lot of legalese. It's literally just like, here are my thoughts, experiences, and opinions. But I hope it'll bring a little bit of balance and a realistic perspective versus, again, that I hate this thing, I love this thing. A little bit of both. All right, so prior to the ACA, Affordable Care Act slash Obamacare, there was, could still purchase your own health insurance if you weren't employed. So going way back when, when I was in human resources, so group insurance would be any, you know, it could be an association, it could be an employer, but it was a whole group, hopefully a large group of people with, you know, you had hopefully a good chunk of people healthy and then some maybe not so healthy. But what insurance companies did was they did use experience rating with groups. So they would look at an employer or an association. Like I actually used to join the Farm Bureau. It was like $50 a year. And then I was able to purchase my health insurance through um, and get a group plan by joining the Farm Bureau. There were also professional associations that you could join, etc. So back in the day, <laughs> I, I just still can't believe that I'm old enough to say back in the day and have them mean it, but it was best if you could join some kind of group because now you'd the the experience rating was based on all the health and birth dates and all of that of all the people in the group instead of just you and particularly if one individual had a lot of health issues it could be tougher so the cost of the group insurance was based on the experience rating of the entire group if you were self-insured it was great to be able to find a group to join like an association and then purchase your insurance through that group. And then really you had the same kinds of insurance that you would uh, if you were employed by someone and, you know, had employer uh, health insurance. So, and back then you could for a reasonable amount, if you were again, part of a group, get good coverage that included prescription coverage and everything. Now, back in the day, so I'm talking that back in the 1990s, if you weren't part of a group, getting just personal coverage on your own, one, it was based on only your Personal experience rating. So they would literally, you know, take a look at what doctor's appointments you'd had and things like that. And also a lot of, or maybe even all, again, this is based on my personal experience, but I never found a personal plan that was affordable, at least that would include prescription coverage. But again, once I found the Farm Bureau for 50 bucks a year, now I got prescription coverage and all of that. And back then deductibles were low and you usually had co-pays. So like a prescription might be $10 out of pocket. And in going to to the doctor, might be 20 bucks or 30 bucks or something like that. And then for the bigger things, there'd be, you know, maybe a 500 or a $1,000 deductible. But in the meantime, at least a lot of your other stuff, you only had the co-pays. That was great uh, that I was able to do the group uh, experience ratings and get good coverage. Now, what would happen is if an individual back then did have some health issues and they were purchasing their own insurance, what would happen is insurance companies could just drop you they would say, you know, kind of like car, you know, auto insurance is able to do this. So if you have too many tickets or accidents or that kind of thing, they just dump you. They say, well, you've given us all these premiums, but you're costing us too much. So we're dumping you. Well, insurance companies used to be able to do the same thing. So if someone uh, paid, you know, they could pay for 20 years for their health insurance, but then if they started being unhealthy for whatever reason, the insurance company could dump them. And then back then, Blue Cross Blue Shield, at least in Michigan, was uh, called the insurer of last resort. And and so they had to take you, but they could charge exorbitant amounts. And so often it was prohibitive, like cost prohibitive for someone to be able to buy the insurance. It could be three, four, five thousand $5,000. I don't know. A lot of money per month to get coverage. So that was one of the negatives pre-ACA was um that insurance companies, and then, you know, again, if you have been through anything similar or know someone who's been through through something similar with auto insurance, you know, you have to pay more or some people just say, well, I'm not even going to drive for a while until some of these points get off my license and then I can find affordable insurance. But the thing is, when we're talking about the human body, it's a little different. So that was how it was kind of back in the day. Another thing that that changed with ACA, another thing was pre-existing conditions. So there was a pre-existing condition clause and even... Way back when moving from employer to employer. So sometimes you would have an employee who, if they had some kind of uh, long term illness or challenging illness, they could be stuck with an employer because the pre existing condition clause would say, like, if you get new insurance, and again, this was even way back in the early 1990s and before, that pre existing condition clause was even moving from employer to employer. So if you wanted to switch jobs or get a promotion or make more money, but you had a pre-existing condition you might not want to move because you might have to wait 3, 6, 12 months before anything related to that illness would be covered. So, it was uh it was a challenge. Now, as a individual purchasing health insurance, until now that changed like in the at least in Michigan in like the early to mid 1990s. So, now the sudden employees could move from employer to employer and there would not be a pre-existing condition clause that would preclude them from moving because they would immediately get coverage even for anything pertaining to that illness. But as an individual before the ACA, if you had a pre-existing condition, those clauses still existed. So if you were with an insurance company who then decided, hey, you're uh, costing us too much money, we're going to boot you off. Well, that switch to another health insurance company was a big deal because now you might have a waiting period before any of your treatments would be covered. That's a big deal. So like I was saying Blue Cross Blue Shield was the insurer of last resort. And uh, so one, you wouldn't want to get into a circumstance where you'd be paying all that money. But two, you might have that pre-existing condition clause where they, you're paying all that money but they're not covering any of your treatments for that health condition until you meet the, the timeline, you know, whether it's three, six, 12 months, whatever it was. I personally, as a result, always stayed on Blue Cross Blue Shield anyway, because I just thought, well, at least I'm with this same insurance company. And if something happens, I'm already here. So, uh, you know, it was a little bit more expensive to be on with them, even though um, we luckily didn't have health challenges or anything like that. And I was in the group insurance, but that way I felt a little more comfortable that I wouldn't have a pre existing condition wait period if for some reason I got booted off and insurance and had to move. So one good thing that happened with the ACA was that uh, the pre-existing condition clauses went away. So that's a good thing for people insured. You know, and there are lots of things. I mean, it could be a car accident that's not your fault. I mean, there are lots of things because I know sometimes people say, well, there's People make decisions that create health challenges. Da, da, da. Well, lots of health issues can happen to people that are not at all related to their personal choices. So so this is a good thing that came out of the ACA. Um, let me backtrack and say, I wasn't so excited about the fact that that group and, and experience rating went away. So there was no way to join any longer, any kind of association or anything like that as a personal purchaser to uh, get a cheaper rate because now it was just based on your birth date period. Uh, So no way to get a lower cost, better coverage just is what it is. Now let's go to what is called a young adult rider. And depending on your age, you might not have even ever heard of this. So Young adult rider used to be in existence, and that was a way when once one of your children, if you're employed and had your children on your health insurance through your employer, which usually was either low cost or no cost to add them on back in the day, once they turned 18, you could add them on as what they called a young adult rider. Now, young adult riders, though, generally there were criteria, one, and two, a lot of times it was kind of costly to keep them on. So uh, they did have to be in school, always at least part-time. Uh, Sometimes it was full time. But so there were criteria that they had to meet to be able to even give you the opportunity to pay this extra money to keep them on your insurance. And the age with which they had to be off, I don't remember honestly now, but it was much lower than what it is now. And again, how many of our children. Would even still be in school, the age that they're still able to stay on as on parents' health insurance. Like they would have been out of school. So, um, so anyway, young adult rider, uh, it was tougher to administer. It was more expensive for the parents who were adding their young adult riders, and they had to be in school. I mean, what if you had a child with learning disabilities or you know health challenges or something, and they weren't able to go to school? So now they don't qualify to as a young adult rider. And you have to figure something else out uh, because they're not, you know, they're not employed at a place that's giving them great coverage, et cetera. So now they might be in the circumstance. In the olden days, where they would have to go out and um, get their own insurance and it would likely be very expensive if they have any health challenges. So, ACA has also been great with allowing parents to keep their kids on for a much longer period without any criteria, much better. You know, and truly, I mean, a lot of people coming, even coming out of college or just, you know, in from, you know, graduating from high school through their early 20s aren't getting jobs always that have great health insurance. So it's a really wonderful opportunity to be able to keep kids on your health insurance. The other thing, olden days, pre-ACA versus now is coverages. Um, prior to the ACA, you know, so when we were purchasing and I was, we were starting a family, we had to add on as a rider, which was an additional cost for childbirth or spend a ton, a ton out of pocket. And also those riders uh, didn't usually cover as much as your like general group plan stuff. Um, mental health, substance use disorder, treatment, those kinds of things, you know, either, it, I don't even know if you could even get them added on, but if it was very expensive. So it was like kind of piecemealed instead of everything covered. And so one thing that the ACA did was required that, a health insurance policy just has to include all of these things. Now, that is part of one of the, at least, so how the rationale, we'll call it, for really skyrocketing the premium costs and deductibles. For coverage, but mm, I'm trying not to get uh, you know too much of my opinion there. But uh, I think that uh, health insurance companies make tons and tons of money, and I think that um, there's lots of uh, very huge uh, bonuses paid. And so, if you think about all the profits and bonuses and all of that, that's all money that came out of people's pockets for the premiums that didn't go to cover and provide for people's health. So again, okay, so this is totally my opinion, but I think there are opportunities to lower deductibles lower premiums, eh, and then lower some bonuses versus keeping bonuses and salaries at very high levels. You know, so take less of what people are paying in premiums to go towards salaries and bonuses. Let's just put it that way. So I think there was a way to add in these other coverages without skyrocketing premiums like they've done and skyrocketing uh, deductibles like they've done. The other thing that the ACA did was required people to have coverage. Now, the goal of this was Similar to auto insurance, well, one, to make sure that people have the coverage if something does happen, but also to have a pool of people paying in premiums that are all um, healthy and not healthy. You know, so obviously if you have a blend, you know, again, they do with auto insurance because you have people who are really good drivers that are required to have auto insurance. And then you have people that are really bad drivers (laughs) that um, are required to have auto insurance to drive legally. So you need a pool of all of those to make sure that, you know, there's enough funding to pay for all the health issues that come up, that people, that have people using their coverage. Again, you know, so could this be a bad thing if you know, someone is younger and super, super healthy and they don't really feel like they need health insurance, you know, but also something catastrophic could still happen to that person. Again, a car car accident or something like that. And if they're not covered, you know, who's bearing the brunt of the cost of all of that? You know, they, their auto insurance might, but, but anyway, so there are, it is to also make sure that people are covered, but From uh, the insurance side, it was also to make sure that there's a pool of all kinds of people, not just the people who would be heavy users of their health insurance. So, you know, again, I'm going to come back to the salaries and bonuses and all of that. Um, Was it a requirement to, you know, up deductibles to seven and ten and fifteen thousand and twenty thousand a year for families, et cetera, uh, for them to stay afloat? Um, You know, is it some profits over people scenarios or not? So, again, under ACA, now what we do have is premiums are much higher. Absolutely. And really kind of the coverage that I end up personally and lots of people end up having is what would have been called um, catastrophic coverage, which used to be super, super inexpensive because the expectation was that um, someone could say, I'm really healthy, so I don't want to get the coverage that covers like prescriptions and office visits and all of that, I just want to pay a very minimal amount to only cover me if something catastrophic happens, like I have an accident or need an operation for something, and then it kicks in. But otherwise, I will anticipate those very few times where I would need to go to the doctor or get a prescription or anything, I'm going to plan to pay that out of pocket. But now, really, the insurance that we have is kind of more like catastrophic for a lot of people because the deductibles are so high. So ours routinely in our family are over 7,000 each uh, in deductibles where nothing is covered until we hit those deductibles. And you just hope and pray and cross your fingers and cross your toes and everything else and hope that you never hit those deductibles. The one thing that is a positive from the insurance companies is at least you get the, I call them negotiated rates. So the health insurance companies, you get like a a deduction. Basically, so you're paying cash out of pocket for everything that moves towards your deductible. But once you get your bill, uh, the insurance company has said, hey, because this person pays these premiums, we're, we're not putting anything out of pocket to help pay for that. But we're going to negotiate with you hospital or uh, clinic or MRI place that you can only charge members of our health insurance plan this much money for that service. So I call it a negotiated rate. Now the problem with this and something I wish they would fix is that there isn't a way to compare and contrast the insurance company's negotiated rates. Because if you have super high deductibles, customer service is, you know, you want good customer service at least if you're paying out all this money and then paying everything out of pocket. But the one benefit that you do get is those negotiated rates. And it would be really nice if someone could fix it where you could go in and compare the different insurance companies and use that as one of your decision markers for which company you go with. Like who's better at negotiating? I think we can maybe assume that some of the larger insurance companies have a little more weight and can uh, negotiate those bigger cost savings. But I don't know. So um, and the insurance company that we're with used to have a way to for us to go into a database and see all the different locations where we might get an MRI or something. Um, It would tell us the cost of the different places. And they actually gave incentives for going to some of the lower cost places, which was awesome. But that seems to have gone away. So even within our own insurance plan, we're not able to see what the negotiated rates are for all the different locations where we could go uh, to get our care. So. A negative for ACA is absolutely the higher premiums with high, much higher deductibles. And then something that I don't think has ever been talked about much is I wish that there was more transparency at least with those negotiated rates. So that since that's the value that hopefully I'm gonna get with my insurance because I don't want to hit my deductibles. Hopefully they're they're good negotiators and at least I'm getting some um, some good discounts compared with the other insurance companies that I didn't choose. I know I'm kind of talking about a lot of. Of different things here. So I'm hoping that it's making sense, but I just so let me do a recap. Um so in terms of Uh, Group experience rating and personal experience rating, I'm going to say I wish that they would do something, do some tweaks to the ACA that as a person purchasing your own insurance, that there was still a way to do some kind of group pay insurance so that you could get similar rates to what employers are getting for your insurance. I wish there was a way, but again, they're not doing the group experience rating like they used to anyway, but I still think that the rates that employers are paying like as a group are better than what individuals can get. So I wish there was still a way for individuals to access that savings somehow. For the pre-existing conditions, this one goes absolutely into the plus side of the ACA because now even as an individual purchaser, if I do switch and if anyone switches insurance companies, there isn't a waiting period before they cover any pre-existing conditions. And keep in mind, that they, c- they can define anything as a pre-existing condition. I remember when my kids were little and we were looking at switching insurance companies and um, one of them had an ear infection. And I'm like, does this mean that an ear infection that happens in a month wouldn't be covered? I'm really happy that that has gone away because it gives the flexibility to move insurance companies. And also, of course, prior to the ACA, the doing away with pre-existing conditions for people moving employer to employer was a good move. ACA gets a plus sign for doing away with young adult rider plans and just allowing children to stay on parents' insurance into their mid-20s without specific criteria so I think that's a huge win again especially when it's been so tough to get insurance and it's so expensive and lots of people in their late teens early 20s don't have access to really good coverage that would be affordable and so I think that's a huge benefit that the ACA has given us coverages requiring that childbirth mental health substance use all of those kinds of things are just part of a coverage and it's not a rider it's not an add-on it's not something where you like oh shoot now I need it and it's not part of my coverage. I think that's a really good, important part of the ACA. Again, I wish that the increased cost uh, that, this, um, that the insurance companies were able to rationalize because of adding those things. I wish that we could take another look at that as a country and uh, make sure that there isn't price gouging, etc. You know, or is there a way to not add childbirth to a male's plan you know just in terms of cost are there some things where they could you know again I just feel like the rationale was there and they might have done a deep dive on this in government I don't know but I feel like that Is a missed opportunity to just make sure that there isn't price gouging happening as a result of them having to provide all the coverages under one plan. Requiring everyone to have the coverage, I think, is good. Again, similar to if you are going to drive a car, you need coverage in case something happens. And I mean, these are our bodies and we need coverage. I mean, it's a whole nother topic to talk, you know, just government-provided health care, et cetera. So I won't get into that. But I do think that we want to make sure that we can take good care of our bodies, that we're making good choices about our bodies, and that um, we have access to good health care, which I think a lot of people don't in this country right now just because of the cost, unfortunately. But so required, you know, I'll say required access. Like I think everyone should have access to quality health care. And then um, deductibles are a negative under the ACA. Absolutely. But again, I would love it if someone would look at, is there price gouging happening? Is that a requirement for the deductibles to be so high while the premiums are so high? You know, yes, the government does provide some subsidies at certain income levels so that you're not paying as high of a premium, but still those deductibles are generally quite high. And, you know, could we just do something to lower the premiums and lower the deductibles? I would love to see that. Negotiated rates, I would love that to be more transparent since that's one of the key benefits that you get when deductibles are so high is getting that discount. I wish that someone in government would take that on and make that more transparent. If I choose this health insurance, how much am I paying for this medicine? You know, we get to look up and see which doctors take the coverage, but under the the plan and the type and all of that and the company, uh, I would love to see what the charges would be. Um, under different and be able to compare and contrast that. So, and then overall, you know, I've seen some things recently, which kind of inspired me to do this about, you know, some of the health insurance companies just making huge, huge profits. And I believe in capitalism. I believe in, you know, I'm a business owner myself and have been, been for, you know, over 20 years. I believe in profits. I believe in capitalism, but I think that humans will pay a lot to try to save their lives or have a quality of life. And is there or should there be a limit to the profits that companies can gain from someone who's just trying to do that by gaining access to quality healthcare in a in a country that is you know supposed to be one of the best. So that gets a little political, but I, I do believe that, you know, humans, I, th- I think it's a basic human right to have access to quality care. And I don't think that dollars should stand in the way of that. So that is my summary. I know this has been a little bit different than my normal podcast, but it's just been top of mind for a long time. And I do think that I have that unique, I have more that I could share on it uh, about what I saw because I actually worked in healthcare. So and the power that the insurance companies have, but that's a topic for another day or contact me and we can have a fun conversation so thanks for listening I hope it was helpful Uh, reach out with questions comments you can grab a a spot on my calendar by going to myimpactacademy.com forward slash call I'd love to have a chat uh, about this topic or any other around leadership or business also if you haven't joined my impact academy I encourage you to do that you can go to myimpactacademy.com forward slash join you will find a wealth of resources there audio, video, PDF, downloads download and also you get time with me every other week live online so get out there make your bigger bolder impact i feel like this topic is part of an impact that i can help make but i hope that you have an amazing rest of your day and thanks for listening